Acts chapter 13, verse 13 to 52. From Pathos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Poseidon, Antioch. On the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years. After this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled for 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. I found David, son of Jesus, a man after my own heart. He'll do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not that one. No, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he was seen by those who had travelled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. The fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. When David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his fathers and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not see decay. Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. 
Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Take care that when the prophets have said, does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if someone told you. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of God of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited that God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Please leave your Bibles open there at Acts chapter 13. Let's pray before we get into God's word. Father God, as we approach this passage now, uh, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be working in each of our hearts. We pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. We pray that our familiarity with the gospel would not cause us to have this message wash over us as though it's old news. Help us to sit in your presence. Help our joy in the hope we have in Christ Jesus to be renewed. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, in our entertainment-saturated culture that we live in, the preaching of God's word is an incredibly counter-cultural thing. These days, you can watch all sorts of entertainment on your phones or your computers or your TV. So why would you come into church on a Sunday morning and listen to somebody give a, a monologue for 20 or 30 minutes about what a book of the Bible has to say? Some preachers use some incredibly uh, elaborate PowerPoint displays to keep everybody's attention. Other preachers, well, they might use fancy lighting or sometimes emotive music just at the right time. But all we do here is listen and reflect on what the Bible has to say. And each Sunday, as we come and meet together, we come not to hear what I have to say or what a guest preacher has to say, but what God's word is speaking into our lives. The honest truth is we could probably attract a much bigger crowd if we 
picked a topic like sports or farming or something else our culture was interested in. Despite how countercultural it is to come in each week and hear from God's word and listen to its message, we come to hear what God is saying as his word speaks into our lives. Not to hear a person speak, but to hear God himself speaking to us. We come to be reminded of what God has done for us, of the forgiveness that we have received through Jesus and of the hope that we now have in him. We come to hear God's word because it's powerful. It's convicting. And it often speaks truths into our lives that are hard to bear, but that we know deep down to be true. We know it isn't always easy or comfortable to have God's word speaking into our lives as it challenges us about our guilt. But how we receive the message of God's word and what we do with it after we've heard it speaking into our lives will reveal how much we believe it. Because the message of salvation through Jesus demands a response. We'll either be changed by it or we'll reject it. But no one hears the good news of Jesus when, and remains on the fence. And that's exactly what's taking place in these verses. Some hear the good news of Jesus being preached and they believe it, while others reject it and even try, try and stop Paul from preaching it anymore. Today we're looking at the very first sermon of Paul's that's recorded in the book of Acts. And as Paul shares the good news of the risen Lord Jesus, we'll see that no one is left sitting on the fence. Last week we heard how the church in Antioch had been led by the Holy Spirit to send out Paul and Barnabas to go and proclaim the good news wherever God led them to go. And so as they travelled on this mission trip, they went from Paphos, which is where they'd shared the good news with Sergius Polis, who had heard the news and believed. And then they made their way to Perga. And something very significant happened while they are in Perga. John Mark left them and went to Jerusalem. Now, there's not a lot of comment in this passage about what went on there, but we're not even told why John left. But what, for whatever reason he had for leaving, it really, really upset Paul. And we'll find out more about that in chapter 15, where it becomes the reason behind a serious disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. But even though their helper, John Mark, had departed from them, Paul and Barnabas still had an important message to share. And so they travelled on from Perga to Pisidian Antioch. Now, it can be a bit confusing because there's lots of places in the ancient world called Antioch. This Pisidian Antioch is a different place to the Antioch where the church had sent out Paul and Barnabas. Pisidian Antioch is 180 kilometres northwest of that Antioch. And it stood on a very high plateau, a kilometre above sea level, which meant that to get there, Paul and Barnabas had to make their way up some challenging mountainous roads. This wasn't a trip of convenience. Paul and Barnabas were on a mission 
a very important mission to share the good news of Jesus. And so as they entered Pisidian Antioch, looking for an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus, they entered the local synagogue on the Sabbath day and they sat down amongst the congregation. Now, a synagogue, as you would know, is, is different to the temple of the Lord. It's much more like the gathering that we have here in church. But it was also a place where the local Jewish population would come and meet together to connect with one another. So it was the logical place for Paul and Barnabas to go if they wanted to connect with the local Jews in that area. While they were there, Paul and Barnabas were asked if they would stand up and give a word of encouragement. We're not told why they were asked, but they were asked. And so seizing that opportunity, Paul stood up and explained how Jesus fulfills the promise that God made to Abraham. Now, these verses, well, they don't provide us with everything that Paul said that day. It's very unlikely that Paul only spoke for two or three minutes because Paul certainly wasn't known for being a short preacher. In fact, we can confirm that when we get to chapter 20 where we read about Paul's sermon being so long that a man fell asleep, fell out the window and died. I'm not going to preach that long this morning, by the way. But, uh, yeah, in, in Paul's sermon, we're just being shown the main points of his sermon here in, in, Luke, in, in Acts. Uh, so Paul speaks of God calling Israel to be a nation set apart for himself. He reminds them of how God brought them out of Egypt and into the promised land. He shared about how God led them through the time of the judges right up until Israel rejected the Lord their God as king and asked for a king like the nations around them. So the Lord made Saul king until Saul turned away from the Lord and then he finally made David king. And from David, Jesus, the promised Messiah, came. Paul says in verse 26, Brothers, children of Abraham and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is for us that this message of salvation has been sent. Paul was warning them not to make the same kind of mistake that the Jews who had conspired against Jesus had made. They had heard this same message. They had been given the opportunity to believe the good news of Jesus. But instead, they became jealous of Jesus' popularity and were offended by his message. And so they rejected God's promised saviour. And instead of following him, they handed him over to the Romans to be crucified. Paul continued to explain, though God's people rejected God's promised saviour, God remained faithful to his promise and he raised Jesus from the dead. Paul says in verse 36, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep, he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. Or in other words, as good as David was, and as well as he served the Lord in his lifetime, at the end of his days, he still died 
and was buried. But in contrast to David, Jesus, the one whom God raised from the dead, did not see decay because he didn't remain in the grave. Now, up until this point in Paul's sermon, the congregation were probably nodding their head in agreement, okay with everything he was saying. Right up until Paul explained that Jesus is the only way that anybody can be saved. Verse 38 says, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified from by the law of Moses. Paul is explaining that the message of the risen Lord Jesus demands a response. Either they hear this news and they repent and turn to him, or they reject this message and keep on trying to fulfill God's perfect law in their own strength. Quoting from Habakkuk, Paul encourages them, or, or actually warns them, not to fall into this same trap of turning away from the Lord. He says, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. And here was Paul telling them. He was telling them about the good news of Jesus, urging them not to scoff at what God was doing for them. Otherwise, they would perish. And verses 42 and 43 tell us that many of those in the congregation did believe the good news. And some of those who believed must have been amongst the synagogue rulers because Paul and Barnabas were asked to speak again on the following Sabbath. And many of these new converts followed Paul and Barnabas, no doubt wanting to hear more about this message of salvation. On the next Sabbath day, almost everybody in Pisidian Antioch were gathered around to hear Paul preaching again. When the Jews saw how many people had come to hear the good news of Jesus, they became jealous, just like those who had conspired against Jesus had been. And sadly, even though Paul had warned them, they were fulfilling those words of Habakkuk. They were scoffing at what God had done through Jesus, even though they had heard God's words speaking into their lives. And so Paul rebuked them. And he rebuked them in no uncertain terms. He says, we had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. The Jews had heard the message and they had seen others believe and turn to the Lord. They were not willing to turn to the Lord themselves. And so they condemned themselves to scoff, wonder, and perish. When the Gentiles heard Paul's words, they had the opposite reaction. They were glad and honoured the Lord, and all who were appointed to eternal life believed. 
in contrast to those that Paul speaks about in verse 46, who did not consider themselves worthy of eternal life. All those whom the Holy Spirit had given eyes to see and ears to hear came to saving faith in Jesus. And the good news of the risen Lord Jesus spread throughout that whole region. The Jews who'd rejected the good news because of their jealousy stirred up more trouble for Paul and Barnabas. And so as they left that area, they shook the dust off their feet as a sign of God's judgment against those who reject the good news of Jesus and who had even conspired against them. But despite their best efforts to stop the message of the risen Lord Jesus, the believers who had heard the good news of Jesus, they went away filled with joy because of what God had done for them. In these verses, we're seeing two different reactions to the very same message. To some, the good news of Jesus was a life-saving message of hope, the wonderful news of restored relationship with God. For those who rejected the message, it was anything but good news. Because rather than bringing them life, it confirmed them in the guilt of their sins. Message of salvation through Jesus demands a response. For those of us who have spent a lot of years in church, going to church, hearing God's word each Sunday, there is a real danger for us that we can find ourselves hearing the good news of Jesus and saying to ourselves, yeah, 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 we've heard that message all before. And as I was writing this sermon, throughout the week I was wrestling with that very conundrum. We've all heard this a thousand times. How do I apply Paul's words in a new and fresh way? But Just as those who heard Paul preach this sermon for the very first time, responded to it. We too are required to respond to the good news of Jesus every time we hear it. The familiarity of the gospel can sometimes cause us to take it for granted, and we can miss or at least fail to notice how amazing this message is. That the God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, would become man for us, that he would willingly suffer rejection for us and die in our place. When we miss or fail to notice how good the good news of Jesus is, it's easy for us to forget how serious our sins are or to treat God's mercy as though it's a, a blank check, allowing us to do whatever we want because God will forgive us. When we hear God's word speaking into our lives, as it reminds us of our guilt and points us to our Saviour, our hearts are filled with joy, just like those believers, as we marvel for God's love for us. The good news of Jesus doesn't even end at the grave because God raised Jesus from the dead, showing that he has the power over death and establishing a certain hope of life beyond the grave for those who trust in him. 
You know, we wouldn't even believe this message if God's Spirit hadn't given us eyes to see and ears to hear. So now that we've been reminded of this good news, good news of Jesus, may we consider ourselves worthy of eternal life in Christ and respond to this good news by grabbing hold of it with both hands and receiving it with joy. Let's not hear this message and let it wash over us as though it's old news. But instead, may we find may this good news of Jesus reminding us of who God is and of what he's done for us. That he has made a way of salvation possible for us through Christ Jesus. And that he has given us and continues to give us the faith we need to trust in him And he did all of this because of his love for us. I read this quote at the beginning of the service. I'm going to read it again. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than we ever dared hope. Let's pray. Father God, we confess that we have so often heard the good news of Jesus and felt like maybe we've heard that all before. We've so often missed the gravity, the seriousness of our sins before you. We've so often missed how serious it is to be outside of your grace. And at the same time, we've also missed how wonderful it is, how amazing it is to have this hope that's been achieved for us, that you've given us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that you continue to help us to hold on to. So, Lord, we pray that you would preserve us in you, that you would keep us by your Holy Spirit, and that you would keep the hope we have in Christ Jesus before our eyes so that it might convict us, shape us, and direct all our actions and our words. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.